0: Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. Today, I get to share a real life personal testimony with you—a testimony of accidentally bringing heaven into the job from hell. So, if you've been following the program, you've heard me interview a number of redemptive entrepreneurs recently. You know those who have made a real kingdom impact and brought transformation into various regions around the world. You know, these are incredible people. They're inspiring stories. But you may be thinking, "Um, I'm never going to start a company, much less a missional enterprise. So, what does this theology of work stuff mean to me in my day to day job? You know, that's a fair question. I'd suggest that working a job where you can't prescribe a preferred culture, but you're actually subject to a worldly system can actually be harder than succeeding as an entrepreneur. These dark work conditions that you might find yourself in are actually the perfect environments for the presence of God to work within you to outshine the system. When you're in an environment where the light isn't very bright and the dark isn't very dark, it's actually harder to contrast God's ways with the world's ways, with those systems. In Isaiah 2, verse 2, it says, Now it will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. A little application of this scripture. God often puts you into the darkest environments at the darkest hour in order to raise a standard or a flag as an alternative to give people hope, to attract people. He wants to rally people to himself, and you get to raise that banner. You get to raise his banner on a hill of victory. And if you work in those dark environments as one who answers to the chief of the mountains... The nations will see that his ways are far more preferable than those little hills, than the ways of those little hills, those little systems. And Isaiah says that the nations or the people will stream to it. You know, it's helpful to recognize that what people are attracted to in this scripture is an alternative authority structure. The mountain, that is also the house of the Lord, the place where God's presence dwells, In the Near East context, at the time of this writing, when Isaiah was writing this scripture, it was understood that mountains and hills were analogous to spiritual power structures. In my experience, people will be attracted to the power and the presence of God and His kingdom when they see a true comparison. The comparison is starkly evident in the hellish work environments we often find ourselves in. So let me tell you about this accident. This accidental bringing in heaven into a workplace from hell starts at a steakhouse in Oregon when I was in high school. I was young, like 17 years old. I didn't know anything other than the scripture that says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. That was the extent of my theology of work at the time. And I was working two jobs just to survive. I was in high school. I was on sports teams. I was busy all the time. But I was also pressing into the Lord and really trying to learn his ways, reading a lot of scripture. You know, I was walking with God, but I was not a standout employee at this steakhouse. Uh, My first feedback from my manager was, Well, at least you're trying hard. Not actually doing a very good job, he could have said, but I was trying hard. I had a really bad haircut too. I got sent home my first day on the job to go get a haircut because it was so bad. I don't know what was wrong with me in those days. I was trying hard, and the only way I knew to work was if I was doing it for God, so that's what I did. I eventually ended up in the back of the house, as they say in the restaurant industry, mostly because I had a really... Bad semi punk rock haircut, and I wasn't exactly a good spokesperson or a good face for the restaurant up front. So, back in the kitchen, I was working hard as a prep cook, closing up the restaurant around 1 a.m. each night. It was rough work, especially when I had to go to school in the morning. So, the whole situation at the restaurant started to become clear not far into my time on this job. Everything and everyone was corrupt from the managers on down. Managers were dealing drugs, most employees were buying. It was common for me to arrive at the, at work and see one of the employees drugged up and unconscious in their vehicle out in the parking lot. And they'd gotten the drugs from our managers. It was a pretty sad time. Managers were fudging employee hours. It just got worse and worse. They were manipulating the math in order to pay people less manipulating schedules to avoid overtime, all of it. For some reason, the manager explained this racket to me in his office one day. I have no idea why, but he just did. You know, chefs were running a racket selling expensive steaks they would acquire, somehow, to employees at really cheap prices under the table. And no one was doing quality control on food or facilities. The place was not sanitary. It was a mess all the time. And turnover was nonstop. Training was almost non-existent. You literally had to figure things out for yourself or ask other co-workers for advice on how to do your job once you got hired. And people would not actually work. That's one thing I discovered right away. One girl would come in late every day and then she'd hide under the prep counters in the stacks of pots and pans until the raging manager forgot about her being late and went on to other things. Then she would beg me not to turn her into the manager all the time. So in the midst of this work environment, I decided I just needed to answer to God for my work. I worked that kitchen like it was the king's kitchen, as it really was. In the kingdom of God, everything belongs to the king, even the kitchen in that dreadful restaurant. So the cooks kept pressing me to get in on the steak-stealing racket. They were afraid I was going to turn them in if I wasn't involved. I'm not sure who I could have told, even if I wanted to, since the managers were already involved. But I kept politely turning them down, turned down the drug offers, covered for the late employees, and I decided to keep that kitchen so clean and orderly that the manager finally confronted me. He told me, you've got to stop working so hard. The quality of your work is unsustainable around here. If you're not here, then no one can maintain the standard you're establishing and I'm going to get in trouble. It'll make me look bad. He was actually ordering me to do a mediocre job and I told him I couldn't do that. I never mentioned though, to anyone, him or anyone, that I was a Christian, or that my Christian beliefs were driving my actions. Then one night, when we were closing up, it happened. As the restaurant was cleaning up, closing up for the night, around midnight, I was back in the prep kitchen finishing up, and I looked up, and to my surprise, the entire restaurant staff had cornered me. They were standing there watching me work, hands on their hips, angry looks, At least 20 people. I just stood up from cleaning out the sink and I said, what? What's up? They were pretty organized. They had nominated a a tall young guy to be their spokesman. And as he approached me and said, Nowlin, we need to hear you cuss just one time. Not what I was expecting him to say and kind of shocked me. He said, you've been here a year, and we have never heard you swear. I was actually amazed at that, since I distinctly remember cussing at least a few times. He said, you're making us feel terrible. And I tried to explain that that wasn't my intent, but that I was a Christian, and I wasn't in the practice of swearing. They kept pressing me, trying to just say one thing, swear one time, and I wouldn't. I just couldn't do it told them that said, sorry. And that just angered him even more. They started asking me, why wouldn't I do this? Or why wouldn't I participate in that? You know, the drugs, the stake theft, all the rackets, the corruption, cutting corners, you name it. It started to become clear that their consciences were really convicted. And I had never realized that. And that wasn't my intent, but God was actually working on them. Then they finally demanded in this little encounter that I explain myself. Since i had been talking about my faith, they said, okay, what's the deal with Christianity? What's the deal with your beliefs? I was like a deer in the headlights. I started giving my testimony, sharing the basics of the Christian faith. Remember, I'm like 17 years old, and these people just melted. Some started crying. Some started swearing but the air went out of the corporate lynch mob. I was involved at that point in an intense, one-hour-long question-and-answer session. I was put on the spot to explain deep theological, philosophical truths that I hadn't actually studied or even really considered. They were bombarding me with questions. Every time an impossible question was asked or an accusation against God was leveled, I found that the Holy Spirit gave me the words to speak, and I was able to answer all of it. Even things I didn't really know about, the Holy Spirit was speaking through me to these people. To my own surprise, finally after most people drifted off to go home or quit or leave or whatever they were doing, I had about five people still with me. They're pouring out their hearts, repenting of backsliding, venting their anger at why God would allow a girlfriend to die in a car crash. It was intense. Three of them came to the Lord that night, and the tall young guy who was the spokesman turned out to be a backslidden believer. He repented, and he said, I need to go back to the Bible again. I need to read the Word of God. This was really an experience where I accidentally brought heaven into a workplace from hell. This is a real deal. This is what I've come to realize is really at the heart of workplace ministry. It's really about who you are in Christ, how you work in Christ, and how His presence shining through you presents a contrast between the world system and the kingdom of God. People need to see an alternative to the hell they currently live in and the hell that they currently work in. Isaiah 11.10 says, In that day, the root of Jesse, it's a reference to Jesus, will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. When we talk about being on mission in your workplace, or even theology of work. Those things might sound abstract or big picture, but the goal of it all is to stand out like a banner, just like Jesus, the root of Jesse, so that people will want to rally to you because you look like him, you work like him, and you accurately represent him. Nations or people, they really need rest And people just need a break. They need a rest from the darkness. They need a rest from the weight of sin and guilt. They need a rest from pain and confusion. And that rest is found not in failing to work or quitting your job or being lazy, but that rest is found in work that is done in His presence and His presence coming through your work. In your workplace, this is the value, the value you truly provide to that environment. Beyond your skill, beyond your talents, beyond your ideas, you are a kingdom rep on that hill. And our job is to represent and connect people with the creator. Even if you just accidentally shine the heaven that is inside you into the darkest workplace on earth, this is what it really means to succeed as a Metron Manager. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.